0: what's up y'all my name is t shaw and this is brewing black podcast where the contents we serve you is authentic vulnerable and relatable that means we serve you with no cream and no sugar i guess i like my coffee black
1: Hey, everyone. This is Scala P, pronoun he, him, his.
0: And it's your boy T-Shaw, pronouns he, him, his. And we want to welcome you to Brewing
1: Black, giving you the latest in Black popular news and culture for our intellectuals, our millennials, and those who like their their coffee just like we like our news. Black.
0: How you feeling, T? Man, it's been a week. It's been a week. Um, but I'm feeling pretty good. I'm feeling a little little tired, a little exhausted, but best friend here. So shout out to Elda, you feel me? Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. It's just been a week, bro. Like physically, emotionally, intellectually, um, with this country, with my job. Um, and just I, I think with my job is hard because it's like Just working with students, I think you get highs and lows. Like there are some things as uh, educators you can't do to like you only have them for an hour. Right. So it's like you hear so much about them and the things that shape them before they come into the classroom. But it's like once they leave the classroom, you can't protect them no more. So I think that that's it's a tough thing because it's like you want to be transformational. You want to make a great impact. But there's so much of life that you can't control. So I think it's like kind of dealing with that and handling that. What about you?
1: Absolutely. No, no. Yeah. Like trying to figure out how to, how to control that element is Mm -hmm. is so key. Um, this week has been crazy. Uh, shout out to um, the Black Graduate Student Association. Uh-huh. Um, everyone from Elder to my man Izzy to Ajie to Janae to Markeith. Uh, we we really all came together to make an event happen. Uh, recently, um, something called Thankful, where we have food, fun, and fellowship for the Thanksgiving holiday. Even though we don't fuck with them colonizers, you, you feel me? Um, but it was a great event. Um, but i but we busted our tails and our butts to make it happen um and I just realized this week as an event planner that like sometimes you know things um you know sometimes things don't go your way, but if you hustle, and you have enough faith and you have the right people around you it can be a phenomenal event and and it was it felt great, and you know this. Uh, Saturday, um, USC, UCLA, we're going at it. We're going head to head, um, but we're also going to be fellowshipping together. So I'm, uh, I'm excited to see everyone in, uh, in person um, and to enjoy it. But yeah, man, this this week has been brutal. Um, and we're going to get into that in the show today. Um, it's just been heavy. Mm-hmm. So, like, I- I'm hoping to really use this weekend to decompress um, and get get life back on track to whatever uh, capacity we can do that. But, um, T, why don't you let, it, let the people know what land, what land we potting on.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. So, this is the land of the Gabrielino and the Tongva. This is stolen land. This is colonized land. And we will always, always, always Pay those respects.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. So what we're about to get into right now is something called our special shots, and that's when we just give you quick updates and opinions about the stuff going on in the world. So one of the first things we want to talk about is Zach Stacy, um, and and you know his case with, um, you know abusing or and physically you know just putting his hands on, um, his ex uh, girlfriend T. What are some of your thoughts about that,
0: bro? I woke up to seeing that video and. As important as I understand videos are, it's like this. It's a dual-edged sword, right? So it's like we know when videos come out that oftentimes something happens, and that video came out and Zach Stacy was arrested that same day. It's like when we see the the videos of uh, these unarmed black men and women being shot and sometimes killed uh, by police. Like we know that things happen fast. Um, so I, I understand the how how it builds an urgency but also it's like damn bro like it's so tough to watch like and i know there are some people that are triggered by that so i think it's it's a dual-edged sword but um zach stacy was shh, bro i don't even know if i can find words other than like disgusting and vile and um heinous like a grown man should never be doing that to anybody but let alone a woman and it's like Bro, this is you would have thought it was WWE, like how he was like tossing her around and slamming her through tables and stuff, bro. Like it was, it was nutty. Um, but yeah, bro. Like I, I, I believe in prison abolition. We've talked about this, and we'll jump into it a little bit more. But like, there's a special place in hell for people like that, and that's just what I'm a stand on. How do you feel?
1: Yeah, I mean, I just it's it's so crazy. Um. I think that any, you know, male identifying person who's putting his hands on someone who identifies as a woman is it, it's just a crazy thought. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but even but like, you know, you men who are in the NFL, a lot of them, um, they, they are just m- much, much bigger than the average human being, yeah. man or woman. Absolutely. Right? And, and so for this man to be putting his hands on a woman that is, you know, you know, this, she's not big for a woman. Um, she's not the size of a man um, and for him to be putting his hands on her as a huge NFL player mm-hmm. um, is it's, it's very, very despicable. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I, it's, it's like you said before, like there's a special place in hell for people who feel like that's that's how you treat a woman. I, I don't think that there's anything that could like really justify um, that, that type of anger and that type of reaction. And we're going to get to um, men and their crazy reactions probably really through, all throughout the show uh, mm-hmm. today, but um, yeah, no, it's, it's disgusting. There's, there's really not much more, more to say. Cause I, I can't defend it and there's, and like outside of saying it's extremely wrong and uncalled for there's nothing much for me to contribute there. Yeah. There, like, it's just, it's disgusting. But what I do want to say, actually, I'm sorry, there is something. The NFL has a responsibility to send a message um, and, and make sure that, you know, we, we know as a society just how much they don't condone that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that they, the NFL needs to use this um, as another reason, and opportunity to really illuminate this light um, and to say that, you know, just because, you know, someone's, you know, famous or well-known or has some money doesn't mean that this type of stuff can't be happening in the home. So I hope hopefully the NFL sort of takes that on guard.
0: Yeah. And just piggybacking off of that real quick, like there's actually a case right now. Um, with Dalvin Cook, he's a NFL star running back for the Minnesota Vikings. Um, there was video or not video. There were uh, photos coming out of how he had assaulted um, his ex-girlfriend. And um I know Adam Scheffner is a, a top like NFL reporter, but they kind of leaked their story to him ahead of the pictures coming out and the suit coming out. And they got ahead of the story, and he was like, oh, well, I, as a man, was actually um, the victim of domestic violence, and she beat me, Um, and this is kind of my story. And then, of course, later on that day, that's when the suit was actually, um, from her, the suit was put in, and it was announced, and then the pictures were leaked as well. So I, I think that, again, I... We don't know the situation. They probably put hands on each other. But I think that the NFL has decided to take no stance on that. They haven't asked him to step away from the game at all. They said it's a civil suit and that they can figure it out themselves. So I think that just like you said, I think that the NFL is important for them, knowing that they have something on their hands right now to make a strong stand and show that they're against domestic violence. Because we have, I think, at least three times, three to five times a year, um, players, um, either ex players or current players, um, in trouble for their domestic violence and their violence against partners or, uh, violence against, uh, family members and things like that. And, um, I I really like the point that you made talking about how, uh, these people in the NFL are much bigger than normal everyday people walking around, let alone women. Um, so I think that one is kind of crazy that it's the mother of his child that he put his hands on like that. But two that like knowing how big they are it is in a way like assault with a deadly weapon you know like you know how boxers have to register their hands like nfl players should probably register their bodies because it's like dog like you you shouldn't be walking around like the rock treating people like you the rock like it don't make no sense yeah no absolutely absolutely so
1: um you know we want to send our you know well wishes and positive energy towards um, the mother, his children um, and their family. Um, and, and, you know, we, we hope that Zach Stacy, uh, you know, gets his stuff together and learns from this experience. Um, we're glad that no one is uh, dead um, because like that, w- that could have easily been a murder. Um, mm-hmm. So easy. And I think that people got to, I think, you know, man, we got to realize our power and our strength. Um, and, and in this case it's, it's physical, but it can be in so many other ways, ways that we use it to hurt, hurt people. So, um, yeah, it's just not something to be condoned. Um, cause you know, violence is real and, and, you know, you know, that really could have been a death and, you know, speaking of which, unfortunately, um, you know, the violence has been crazy, uh, lately. Um, like, like we said, and we're going to continue to say it's a very, very heavy week. Um, young golf. Um, a very well known known rapper. Um, I believe Tennessee. Yeah. Tennessee Memphis. is where, where he resides, mm-hmm. um, where he's from. And he was he was gunned down. Um, the reports some reports say that I think he was in a barbershop trying to buy donuts or, or buy cookies. Cookies, yeah. it cookies. was like a, a and,
0: local cookie shop picking up some for his yeah. mom.
1: Yeah. And it's just like, that's where he gets gunned down. And, and you know, it gives me, you know, God rest his soul, it gives me um sort of some deja vu feelings like, like with Nipsey. Right. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the, the idea that like you doing, you, you, you're not doing nothing to nobody. You're not trying to harm nobody. Like, and you just get gunned down like an animal in the street, um, you know, and it, it's it's just really, really unfortunate. Um, and, and it's, and it's very, it's very crazy and i'm just so thankful to be a young black male and to have my life and to have, have like air in my lungs and things of that nature because mm-hmm. so many of us don't get to grow to to see that you know he had he had you know a partner he had multiple kids and now he won't be able to, to like see see them grow mm-hmm. um and build his relationships um and so condolences to young dolphin his family but t did you have any like other thoughts about the situation
0: yeah, bro. It, I I I think the same thing as you that it really did bring up similar feelings with Nipsey just cuz it's like it's a dude that made it out that it stayed local, that supported local businesses that put, produced um music that people could really resonate with and they it's like they never changed, right? And it's like I understand Uh, That Dolph was a street dude. Um, I mean, he had a whole album called Bulletproof about how and the song titles was about how they tried to kill him. I think it was like 100 shots in Charlotte, but I'm bulletproof. So F him. That's how I feel. It's like the track list and it's a flex. So it's like I understand that he lived his life, but it's crazy that you can get caught slipping in your own neighborhood doing something that you do so often, so frequently um so yeah it's just it's unfortunate and I guess one of my favorite uh Dolph stories and this might resonate with you but how those Duke students they worked at the cafe um yeah and they got fired for playing his song get paid and what he did was like he brought them to not only to I think it was rolling loud brought them to rolling loud had him on stage and gave him I think 20,000 a piece, and was like look this should hold you over until you get uh get another job get paid so I think I think that that kind of shows you who Dolph was and it's like yeah mm. i remember I, I i think that it br- really brings up nipsey feelings for me because it's like nipsey was somebody that like bought into the community that like that bought back the block that supported people that was giving money and having programming that helped the local people and that's what Dolph was doing he was he was generous with his money he wasn't stingy by any means and i think that I just want rappers and other entertainers and other successful people to kind of follow that model. And I think I saw a lot of people saying, like, this is why y'all got to get out, get out the hood. And I I think that's the wrong uh, mentality to have, because I do think it's still important for us to still to try to pull the people out that can't make it. Um, I think it's a testament to how he lived his life. Um, And I, I don't think that everybody should take that same thing away um from what happened i do think it's so so unfortunate but i think that it's still important that we don't give up on people you can't say like oh well that's why we got to turn our back on the people that uh we made we made it out and they didn't make it and they're gonna get us if we stay back and i don't think that's always the case yeah no absolutely yeah i, I think that um yeah this is a very
1: unfortunate circumstance but like you said you don't want to throw the baby out with the bath water, mm-hmm. right? Um, the reason we can remember him so fondly is because he gave, he gave back and he was that yeah. example. Right. Um, because there are some people that whose names I will not mention, but when they pass their legacy, won't be that mm-hmm. uh, they Some people are known for leaving legacies of harm. Mm-hmm. Um, and that wasn't young, young Dolph Dolph, at least since he's been famous. And so God rest his soul. Um, and I, I think that, you know, just, It's a heavy week, but you're learning to cherish life as much as you can to make the most out of it and to really, you know, pour into the community and to the people around you because you never know when, when it's going to be your time to stop Mm -hmm. pouring because, because it's, it's your, it's your time to transition. So yeah, yeah, man, I, I, it was funny because I was, I was just doing estate planning, playing with my mom this week and it's just like, it's, it's just wild to like think that life. (laughs) is here mm-hmm. and then it's just gone it could be gone at any moment so any rest moment. in peace to young Dolph. Yeah. thank you for your legacy and thank you for changing lives and impacting lives while you were uh here Absolutely. um so we we want to and thinking about life because it can just be so fleeting uh, we we also want to bring up um, the celebration of the preservation of life. Right. Mm. Um, So we have uh, Mr. Julius Jones. Um, this man, this man was, and, and I'm going to let T break it down for you all even more, but uh, he was on death row and what, I think it was around two hours before uh, he was sentenced to be executed. Uh, he was actually, um, you know, released from the death penalty um, to serve life without parole. Um But, See, break that down even more for the people and tell me what you think about that decision versus, you know, letting him out completely. Because my thing is, if you feel like he did something to deserve the death penalty, like, I don't know why it doesn't seem like there's a lot of gray area for me. It it Mm -hmm. seems like you would either let that person go completely because that person didn't do it or you're doubling down. Uh, If you believe in the death penalty anyway. So like, and this is two hours before the man's about to get executed. Like what were, like, what was your, your intention? Do you feel like he deserved more right to like fight for his life? Like, what do you think about the situation?
0: Yeah, bro. And I have two things to say before we move into this topic. Um, One's transitioning off the Dolph situation. His wife or the mother, his child. She uh, started a campaign It's called uh, Black Men Deserve to Grow Old. Um, something along mm-hmm. those lines. And I think that this is so applicable right here with Julius Jones. And the second one is abolish the death penalty. I think that that's important. And I think that that's at the heart of this conversation right here. Um, and I want y'all to know that, yeah, you can talk talk about prison abolition and feel like that's super radical, right? Um, defund the police, that's super radical. But when we break down abolishing the death penalty, I think you'll start to understand that that. Has to be the baseline. That has to be the first step. Right. So Julius was um, his execution date was, like Ashton said, set for yesterday, November 18th. Um, And the parole and pardon board actually recommended that that uh, death penalty sentence uh, be commuted. Or I think that's the word commuted. Um, They voted three to one to provide clemency for him. Um, and it was just waiting around for the Oklahoma governor to to take that recommendation um, up for consideration. Um, they they recommended he uh, have life with the possibility of parole. The governor decided not to give him the possibility of parole. But I think it is important to know that, like, Julius Jones is living to see another day that his heart is still beaten and that that provides you uh, enough ability to continue to fight. Uh, and to struggle for that, and I, I, I'm sure that he's happy that he's still breathing. Um, so, yeah. Julius Jones has been on death row since since the age of 19, and for 19 years in Oklahoma uh, for a murder in 1999 that he's always said that he has no part in. Um, and just two important facts: I need y'all to know that uh, the the per, the victim was uh, his name was Mr. Howe, and Mr. Howe was a white man. And he was killed in a predominantly white neighborhood. And um, the, the, um, the district attorney at the time, his name was Bob Macy, he characterized the crime as an act of violence, uh, act of violence committed by black men that was fueled by drugs. So falling into that, that um, 1990s, that Bill Clinton era of like, uh, we need to be hard on crime, that there are super predators. As a 19-year-old black man, he was labeled as a super predator. Um, And the narrative around the media coverage at that time was heavily focused on that. And we know that like politically we were heavily focused on that, that the idea of super predators. Um, The second fact I need you all to know is that 11 out of the 12 jurors at Mr. Jones trial were white. And uh, one juror even referred to Julius Jones as the N word. And I I said the N word. I'm going to assume the hard R. they called that man a nigger so like we we already know how and this is a death penalty case right so we know how biased that is um and he suggested that julius jones be taken out of the courthouse and be shot so that is that that tells you where where he lies and what he stood for and what he believed and To add a little bit of more information, I just want you all to know that statistically, and you can go into the Innocence Project, and there are a number of different places that you can find these statistics. I believe even um, if you type in Death Penalty Information Center, they do a lot of uh, this research, Um, but the research shows that statistically death sentences are more likely going to happen when the victim is white, so that already shows you that there is a prioritization of white lives. Oftentimes, if it's a black person that is killed and they were the only person that was killed or it was only a few black people killed, you're not going to get the death penalty. But it's even more so likely if it is a black person killing a white person. So if the victim is white and the perpetrator is white, it is a possibility that there will be a death penalty. But if it's a black person killing a white person, oh, you going to get the chair. But if it's a Mm. white person killing a black person, not so much. So we need. I need y'all to know that there's a racial, there's a deep, deep, deep racial disparity when it comes to the death penalty. And that's why uh, organizations like the Innocence Project exist because there are oftentimes that uh, there are uh, people arrested and uh, put on trial and given the death penalty that have been innocent. And after time, they realize like, oh, that these people were innocent. So I think it is so important that they were even able to stop, uh, this, this sentencing and this, this actual, this execution. Um, I, I we, we talked about this and, uh, Scholar P I want you to share your thoughts too, but I think that it's important that he's still living. I think that, yeah, life without parole is still tough, but I think that, um, one, again, it's just another day to live and it's another day to fight. And like, I think when you're faced against the death penalty, I think it's so hard to even imagine living another day. And I think for 19 years, knowing that that day is going to come where you're killed and to find out hours before I I can only imagine him being elated. Right. Um, But then also knowing that he can continue to appeal and though it may take time, I think it did show that there is power to the people where uh, enough people cared and enough people fought and enough people donated to to get this execution um, stopped. So I, I think that there is hope. And I think that that's what I'm left with looking at this, though I understand that life without parole is still a death sentence in a way. Um, so I, I think it's like you can't jump for joy, but I think that I hope that he was right. And I hope that um, people know that we can really make an influence on this political system and judicial system.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I think that, um, it's the idea about being able to continue to fight. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, you know I mean? You and I were talking about how, like, you know, for me, if I knew I, I would never want to be in jail for the rest of my life and I don't know what, what conclusion I would come to about my life if that were that were the case mm-hmm. and I think but I think that in this particular scenario, I think that when you can live to fight another day when there's hope when you when you can appeal and this second and the third like you know you you can fight you still got you still got a chance like i got I got relatives who are who are serving those types of sentences and and you know the idea that they're still alive they can still write they can still connect mm-hmm. and they can be fight fighting and trying to appeal things simultaneously it's something to like be hopeful about. In and of itself, right? right. Um, and so I think that, uh, and I think even more importantly, it's not just you fighting. This is another chance for all the people who've been on the outside who have been fighting for you to continue to be a voice for you. So um, it's, yeah, like it, it, it's definitely a, a big thing for sure. So we want to say congratulations, um, you know, more life, literally for, for Julius Jones and, and you know, keep that fight going, brother. We, we, we here at Brewing Black, we support you. Mm hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, but you know what, it, it's interesting because sometimes in society there can be, you know, decisions that are made that, you know, we agree with and give us hope. Um, but it's sort of like you, you can't, you can't get too caught up in the decisions of life, whether it's up or down because sometimes when you get too high, the world can do stuff and people can make decisions that can bring you low. Um, and so we, we want to get it, get into that because, um, As we are recording this this podcast, the world is um, basically reacting to Kyle Rittenhouse um, being acquitted of all charges um, or found innocent and not guilty of all Mm -hmm. uh, charges against him. So for those of you who are not familiar, um, uh, Kyle Rittenhouse was, um, I, I believe, in Wisconsin- and he, you know, killed three protesters, or, or he killed three people in the way of a protest, of them, yeah,
0: or killed two of them, uh, wounded another, and, and yeah, and
1: and wounded another. Um, and so he was just, uh, um, found innocent. And it's it's an interesting thing. Before this podcast, I was talking about, um, just I had a conversation with one of my friends, uh, who, who's a cop, and you know, he actually agreed with the with the you know innocent verdict. Um, And I I can't say that yet because there's not enough details. Uh, But here at Brewing Black, we we try to go through things with you all. So um, basically from the videos I saw, um, I, I believe that the prosecution could make an argument that like, okay, first guy threw a bag at him, charged, charged him. There were shots going on all around and like. You know, he doesn't know what's going on. So he turns around, he shoots, he shoots the guy and allegedly he's possibly caught call, calling the police. And then with the other two, um, Kyle trips, he feels like someone's coming at him with a skateboard, shoots that guy. Um, and then the other guy who's, who gets shot in the arm, who survives is also running towards Kyle with, with a pistol. But mm-hmm. on the other side of that, it's, Hey, there's this white terrorist He's, he, he came, he's a 17 year old boy with AR, with AR 15, you know, and some people like to look at him as scared, mm-hmm. um, scared, but it's like, you came with a group of people or by yourself with, um, to approach us with AR 15 as a child. So like, how can you be that scared? Um, and I, and I think for me, the, the thing I want to break down are, is two things. First of all, as a community, I don't like, where's this boy's guardians? Where's, where's mm-hmm. his family? Because y'all shouldn't be letting any, any, you know, little boy be running around with AR-15. Mm-hmm. You know, that's, that's sickening, first, first of all. Uh, then secondly, I think that let's, let's say he was, each of those things were self-defense. Let's say that. Let's say that. Let's, let's, let's be in that world for a second. The, the thing that black people and many people in America are upset about is not just the fact that he murdered people, but the fact that a black, a black person would not be able to kill three people and the claim it was self-defense. Even if Kyle Rittenhouse was running towards the cops to tell, him, tell them what he did, mm-hmm. black people would not get that same luxury. They, we don't get that same luxury. Um, and the fact that he can be alive in his trial mm-hmm. versus the cops getting him down after he had already killed two people and wounded another one is incredible to me. That's 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 an incredible in the in the most horrific way possible. And I think that that's what we have to understand about the situation. It's that it's not like you know he he shot those three white men, killed two of them. Okay, but like if and T, you just said it. Had it been a black man who had killed a white person for any reason, self-defense or not, he wouldn't even get a chance to be under the jail. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So I think that that's a big part of what what we're thinking about. And we also think that it sets a bad precedent because, you know, you're teaching young white boys it's okay to – you know, carry around rifles to shoot people to be in places that they shouldn't have been anyway, because, you know, there are some reports going around that he was trying to be a vigilante mm-hmm. and, you know, protect property. And it's just like, bro, you, you went out of your way to a different city or a different state to try and, um, to, to defend something, right. You shouldn't have been there anyway. Um, and, and, and now not only did you come into a place which you, where you didn't belong, you weren't invited, but you caused harm. Right. Mm -hmm. All these people would be alive if you would would have just stayed your ass at home. But that's Mm -hmm. not the decision that you made. Right. And so now I'm I'm trying to look for the videos. I'm trying to see all the different interactions. Uh, But one of the bottom lines is that in America, you know what little white boys can go go and get guns and shoot up and shoot up the place Mm -hmm. in one way or another. And like that's not what what we're supposed to be about. And that's why the gun laws, the gun law, there's push to reform these gun laws um, and, and, and other things as well, because this it shouldn't be Kyle Rittenhouse shouldn't have got, been able to get access to that gun. The mm. police should have stopped him as soon as they saw him with a gun and people should still be alive. And that's where um, some of our frustration lies. And the, and we got to talk about his tears, bro. Like those uh. those tears Bro, bro. Matter of fact, I've been talking talking a second. What do you think about? What did you think about his tears? And tell me what you just thought about the whole situation.
0: Dog, I'm like he. If he spent money on acting lessons, he need his money back. Cause he was. <laughs> yeah, it's like. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm not even gonna make. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you don't take yo, and it, I, I think what you said, like it, it makes me think a lot. Right, so. Let me juxtapose this. And when I say juxtapose, like, let's put this in comparison. Let's put this side by side with the situation that sparked this, right? So the shooting of uh, Jacob Blake, right? So Jacob Blake, it comes out. um, Some information has come out since the shooting, and it was found that he had a knife. He had a pocket knife. I don't believe the knife was ever, like, actually, like, like, protracted. Like, I don't think it was ever, like, out. You know, a pocket knife, you can like hit the button and it flips out. So when the police were trying to arrest him um, and tase him and some other things like that, he was walking to his car um, when the officers pulled him down. And when he falls down, the knife comes out of his pocket. He picks it up and he's going to his car. Um, and they're telling him to drop the knife, drop the knife. Um, he opens the car. He he says that he was trying to just put in this console and that he was going to either just be arrested or whatever it is. But he didn't. He was thinking, like, they're going to kill me because I have this knife on me. So let me get rid of it. Um, and he shot in the back and he paralyzed shot in the back seven times. Right. So he never got that benefit of the doubt. Right. Because he they they almost gave him a death sentence for having. A knife and what he says is like am i a knife thrower am i a ninja like how how does a knife that is not out like i'm not bringing a knife to a gunfight essentially is what he's saying like and why would i stab some police officers like what do i gain out of that and it's like he's not even afforded that benefit of the doubt right but on the other hand a young white boy who has no business crossing state lines to be a vigilante with an AR, he is afforded the privilege of murdering two people, shooting and injuring another, and yeah, let's say it's self-defense. Is there no is there no accountability for putting yourself in that possession or position, right? That's like imagine let's imagine going to a zoo and getting in the cage with a tiger. Uh, This reminds me of Cat Williams little skit you in a cage with a tiger it's a tiger why are you messing with the tiger right and you're provoking this tiger and this tiger attacks you and you shoot the tiger you're still you should be liable you should help be held liable you should be sued for not only the value of the tiger but you should probably be put in prison for killing a tiger because you put yourself in a position that you shouldn't have been in and that's how I feel about him. Like maybe in the videos, the people do look like they are attacking him. I probably would attack his ass too. You provoking shit. You over here trying to be a vigilante, but he's also doing what Trump said, right? He said, "Y'all loot, we shoot," or something along those lines. I don't know if if that's exactly what he said, but I heard that's what I heard, and I'm sure that's what he heard too. He said, oh, "I'm gonna go shoot me some some inners, and I'm gonna shoot me some looters in right." um yeah. and I, I i think that that's what we see in this is that it is a upholding of white supremacy and i don't think either one of us are surprised one, once i heard that the national guard was there on sunday it's like it's just a matter of yeah, time you know at this point coming? they dismissed the charge of him owning a gun illegally a ar illegally once they did that i was like no, that's one of the easiest charges. And let me real quick walk y'all through some of the charges because I know some people are like, okay, well, you got to make sure that you're charging them with the right thing so you make sure that the thing sticks. Okay. Well, they charge them what I think about six counts, six or seven counts. Um, these, some of these charges include reckless homicide, intentional homicide, attempted homicide, endangering public safety, possessing a dangerous weapon under the age of 18, and um, breaking curfew. You telling me, dog ain't he didn't get he didn't get charged or uh, what's the word found guilty of any of these things? <laughs> like, come on, right. man! Like at least when the weapons charged... I was like, he was literally under eighteen with a dangerous weapon. That that that's right there for me, uh, endangering public safety. Well, walking around with a uh, AR pass curfew sounds like endangering public safety to me like no one else would be allowed to do that if i walked outside in inglewood right now with an ar oh boy swat gonna be on my ass quick i ain't gonna get no time to explain like oh i heard that the, there would be people out here rioting so i want to patrol the grounds no they shooting me down dog for public disturbance for uh disorderly conduct for being black with a gun like right so which is a, yeah a thing <laughs> and i i think it's just yeah it's just kind of ridiculous um just and just seeing how the kind of the judge was kind of chummy with him too like it seemed very it seemed like an act it seemed like a play it seemed like just something to do in like for show right and i i, I think that that's what's so harmful um and these cases just tell us a lot about our justice system. Um how white men are allowed to take this justice into their hands. And I think it it, it comes a lot into the uh the killers of Amal Arbery in that case too. Is it, is white men thinking that they can take justice into their own hands.
1: Yeah, and, and it's like and I think that you have to be very, very careful in these types of situations in the in these cases. There was um there was claims and reports that the judge had his phone going off and it was like uh, uh the ringtone of a campaign song the trump yeah, the trump has and sure things was. of that nature and and i think that even because i know some people in the comments are, are are definitely talking about like his legal his legal age to have um that that rightful in, in wisconsin and i think that there's a and, and you we can we can appreciate that that law but like to have that weapon and then be able to harm harm people with it without any type of accountability. Um, you send the message to young, young white men that like this violence is okay, it's justified. Um for even for one of my friends to classify him as scared, I'm just like, you know, I don't know how you fear anything at any moment with with the AR-15. You have mm-hmm. all the power at all times. Like, and, and, and I think to to your point, Tea, like so many of us would not get the benefit of the doubt. The judge did seem. Um, there were pictures of how close they were when they were looking at stuff in the courtroom mm-hmm. together, and it was sort of like, "I got you. Mm-hmm. Like, don't worry about this. You're young. Mm-hmm. We we as white men, we all do do bad things, and guess what? We all get." 10 chances this is just your first thing mm-hmm. don't worry you get you get at least 8 more times to be a terrorist you get <laughs> at least 8 more times to cause chaos and it's and it's crazy because you know I it, we really see some people really saw the innocence in this man mm-hmm. like they saw something that was innocent about Kyle Rittenhouse like and I don't and I, I can't really fathom how he he gets he gets off, but people don't see the innocence and um un, and arm unarmed, and unarmed black people who who have been shot down and it's scary, it's sad mm-hmm. and what's and what's going to happen is one of two things, right? You know when you continue to treat treat people in America like they don't matter and that you know their lives are futile anyway, they start acting like it. That shows that shows itself in violence of, of all sorts, whether it's riots or other things. But even more importantly, probably, is how you affirm uh, the people who are violent, right? Mm-hmm. So you got thousands, maybe millions of white boys who are looking, who might have thoughts about doing, doing violence or being violent, and they say, you know what? Kyle got off. Kyle had a community around him. I can do the same thing. Mm-hmm. And by the time you realize you've done that, now you have countless others who, whose lives uh, could be drastically altered in a negative way and so i think that this is a time for america to like really step back and say hey look this is not it and for even for joe biden to be like nah i agree with that we stand on it we got to trust the system it's like you know the system is broken um and and, and you've criticized some of your own uh, own opon- opponents about this type of stuff in mm-hmm. the past and so i I, I didn't I didn't appreciate that from him either, especially for him to not have been there to maybe not even know all the details, regardless of what was said in the trial. So it, I, it's just a weird time.
0: Absolutely. And um, just kind of taking off from there. Um, and before we transition off, I just want y'all to make sure that you're paying attention to the Ahmad Arbery, um, the killers of Amad Arbery, because, of course, Ahmaud Arbery is not on trial. He has not gotten that fortune right. Um, but his killers are currently on trial. I want you to know their names. Um, we have uh William Roddy Bryan. Uh, there is uh his son named Trav or no Travis uh McMichael and Gregory McMichael. Um, Gregory McMichael was a former police detective and a private investigator, so he um has deep roots into um the justice system there, and that has caused pri- problems. Um, This case has been pushed back because two different attorneys had to recuse themselves because they knew him. Um, They're currently facing nine charges, including murder and aggravated assault, and they've built their defense purely around a two-part strategy that they were trying to do a citizen's arrest, and uh, they had to kill him in self-defense. They've been testifying that they felt like they were in a life-or-death situation, but again thinking about how these white men have taken justice into their own hands and they put themselves in that position. I think that we have to c- always consider that accountability of how you brought yourself in this situation. And you can't say that, like, oh, I feared for my life if you put yourself in that position, you know. Um, and also knowing that this it gives George Zimmerman vibes, too, because Mr. Michael... Um, who prides himself as some type of like neighborhood police um, called the police and said that he saw Mr. Uh, Arbery uh, jogging by and that he resembled a suspect black um, in a series of break-ins and the police told him that they didn't have any reports on file and to not pursue. Instead, they decided that that's what they were going to do. So, um, I believe the defense just rested either yesterday or today so the the case is wrapping up um that verdict will be coming we we'll probably will uh cover that by next um next episode but I just wanted you all to keep that in mind that this is another pivotal case on deck um and y- y'all got to watch out cuz we understand how the justice system works um so yeah we just wanted y'all to keep that on deck for y'all
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. So, yeah. Um, and and I, I didn't, I didn't even say before it's, it's, it's been such a crazy episode, but this was a part of our, our light roast. roast. <laughs> <laughs> and for those of you um, who don't know about the light roast is when we criticize someone or something in society um, and, and we try to do it in a constructive way, but this week, I, you know, it, it's just a tough week, man. Mm-hmm. It's, it's heavy it's heavy you know um so i you know i think i think we've said everything that we need to say on it but yeah this th- this is a critique on america and how the system is working um it's so funny to you even when you say justice system it's like what well, just like i, I, I don't even know what to who? call it uh-huh. it's it's just it's just a system judicial. it's just a system i can't even you said what
0: i like judicial because it's by it's judges judi- it's not justice though
1: yeah, yeah, yes, yeah. it, no, nah, not at all. So, yeah, it's it's a tough thing, and you know, um, something something else that's really really been big big too. Um, that also uh, unfortunately involves the law the loss of life um, was you know the Travis the Travis Scott um, his, his festival Astro World festival right? Um, at the, well, it's, it, well, it was a day in Vegas. Um, uh,
0: yeah, it was Astro World.
1: Oh oh Asher, it was okay, part of the so it was crazy. T T put me on um to one of the videos where, you know, they had signs all day. Um they had signs all day, even during the show. Mm-hmm. People chanting Travis, Hey, help us, stop the show, this, that, and the third. And it was just very, very sad to see that you know, some of this could have been parlayed and that there were just so many signs before all of this happened to where you might have been able to stop some of this stuff had you been paying more attention and mm-hmm. been been more diligent. But T, what do you think about this whole, the whole debacle of World?
0: Yeah, and we have Day in Vegas up there because I want to use my experience at Day in Vegas to kind of show the differences and how things could have been different with World. Um, but there were a number of things that really made World dangerous. One is the overcapacity. They just oversold tickets. And I think, of course, that's a that's a, a problem of capitalism, right? Like you want to make as much money as possible. And I think when money is involved, a lot of the times you don't prioritize like lives in general. And it's not its not even being very, like, conspiratory, like, oh, because I believe some people were like, oh, Travis was sacrificing people. Like, no, I think that it is just money being involved and people not wanting to lose money, which can tell you why they didn't stop the show. It can tell you why they didn't stop selling tickets. And I know people also uh, broke in, like, people, like, overwhelmed security to um, – get into the show that hadn't paid so overcapacity was a major issue and the video we watched uh scholar p it was talking about how people were at the mercy of just the crowd surge right it, it seemed almost like imagine being in a river that's just rushing it's just it takes you wherever and you don't have any bodily control that's what it seemed like for these people um another big uh problem was a lack of security and a lack of uh and it was lack of security and underqualified security there's a video of a man talking about how he ain't never even been to a concert he ain't never done security and he was hired to do security there was a woman talking about how her family showed up because they said they was hiring security guards and doing a background check and nothing like that um and a few of them got in a few of them didn't and security guards were even quitting on site because they heard that it might be a scam because it felt like a scam they hadn't got any any type of uh any type of like training around this. Um, there was a lack of qualified medical personnel. It was a lack of medical equipment. I think it was also a lack of care for one another as fans, but also like knowing that they were at the mercy of the crowd. I think that that we, it's not, it's not the biggest thing as much. Um, and I think one of the biggest things was a lack of awareness from Travis Scott and the organizers, which is live nation. um, there were so many people that were begging and pleading and we've seen multiple videos of Travis to stop. I think you can, we can say that like, yeah, performers can't tell um, what's going on in the crowd. But I think one of the telltale signs is that there was an ambulance trying to come through and the ambulance never got where it needed to go. And it's like, once you saw an ambulance in the crowd, like, dog, you got to stop. Like, I think human intuition, like, because he saw a few people falling out and he could have decided to stop the show for a second at that time. He, he paused, he said, turn on the lights, there's somebody over there. He told security to go over there and just kept going on with the show. So I think that lack of awareness, especially when it comes to the ambulance, I think is, is, is pivotal. But Scholar P, I want you to share what you thought before I share, like, kind of my day in Vegas uh, experience and how it was different
1: yeah no no for real i think i i just i just want to sort of reiterate your points like in terms of the capitalism piece like there should you knew that there were going to be 10 several several tens of thousands of people there um and and there has to be a a certain level of of standards that you have right Mm -hmm. and i think that people get so so lax first of all i mean we're still in a pandemic like you know Mm -hmm. believe what you want but we're still in a pandemic first of all so like it's already sort of questionable to to be out to be out there uh, because we don't don't know everyone's status is for real for real um but but even more importantly it's like if you if you're dealing with tens of thousands of people like what in your right mind would make you think that you can be as lax with me- medical equipment with staff with personnel um and then you know the i know with some of the videos that we've watched um there there have uh been claims that you know people could have taken over the pa system and, mm-hmm. and stopped the show you know what i mean and so for, it takes so many people um, not doing, not doing enough, or not doing anything for tragedies like that to happen. Um, and, and this is not an exact comparison, but we think about, you know, um, a, a few weeks ago we were talking about how there are a lot of bystanders watch a woman get assaulted, and it was just like so many things had to happen for nothing to happen. Yeah, if absolutely. That, that makes sense. Like absolutely. everyone really had to be like frozen in time and be like. Well, I mean, I guess we'll just let this sort of continue happening right now mm-hmm. and it's just like everyone had the power and the capacity to do a little Something. bit more. And when I say say everybody, I mean people like Travis Scott, the sound, the sound folks because everyone can see it yeah. I saw fans literally going damn near up on stage and being like stop the
0: show yeah.
1: stop like I'm trying the to say, people's operator. lives
0: yeah yeah right. There were multiple right. people climbing so, up to to say things to try to stop it and one girl was saying she feels one of the girls that climbed up and was arguing with the camera person and pleading with him she says she feels like she could have done more and if she wished, she wished she could go back and just uh <laughs> like throw the camera over and um and it it sucks because it's like it's not on her. She did as much as she could. Another young man did as, as much as he could to try to like stop the show, but like it wasn't on them. It was really in the video we see that the organizers knew about this at I think they said there were signs at like nine twenty and it's Travis went on at nine twenty or at nine. So two yeah twenty minutes after but at nine thirty they got the call to stop the show. They ain't not stop it to 1010. And it, it, I think it was also really reckless um, that they were talking um, like there was reports that, oh, people, somebody was going in the crowd and stabbing people with drugs and it was drug related. Like, no, like people were literally having heart attacks because they could not breathe. They were going into cardiac arrest because they were being trampled and they were being suffocated uh purely by the crowd um and i've seen a number of videos of people talking about how they thought that that was going to be their last last breath and that they could just hear Travis Scott just kind of going and he had a birds eye view he could see he I, i'm sure he could see and i i guess i want to take it over to my day in vegas um experience oh and real quick i should shout out to anthony he talked about how some of the security guards uh were talking about how they were just only getting paid through cash app um And I think that's a big thing. Right. It does feel like it's a scam. But, yeah, with my day in Vegas experience, like I think that people, one, learn from that. And day in Vegas had enough medical personnel on deck. I remember I sat down just in the middle of concerts, uh, just like on a concrete because there was nowhere else to sit. Everybody had taken up the seats. And I was just like, look, we were watching Victoria Monet. And I was like, I'm just going to watch it from here. But sitting down. Um and somebody rushed up to me. was like, "Hey, bro, do you need anything? Are you okay?" And I was like, "Oh yeah, I'm good. I'm good." He was like, "You need any water?" I was like, "Nah, bro. I'm straight. I'm straight. I got some." He's like, "All right, all right." And he was rushing away. Um, but I remember uh during the Scissors concert, um, there was a number of people that I think kind of fell out, but I think as a crowd, we had ability to open up and let people like kind of come through and take whoever they needed to take out, but also. I, I see now how, I mean, of course, hindsight is twenty twenty but these, these uh, artists are so observant now. Like when Sizzle was performing, I saw about six different times lights. People would take their flashlight and let me see if I can do it. They would take their flashlight and they would like kind of swirl it around. They would like, and it would be a a group of maybe 10 people. And not only can other fans see it, and if other fans saw it, they would do it too, but then the, it got the artist like, attention. And I think that that was super, super, super important. Because SZA stopped the show a few different times. They stopped the show to say, like, look, y'all got to – everybody take three steps back and give people space so people can breathe and people can feel comfortable. So I, I, I saw as a group we could see how um, – people can kind of come together and it reminded me of our protests and that's what I used to I was thinking about with Astro World, right like I remember one vivid moment when we were in front of the UCPD office and we had the hand sign right remember I taught them the hand signs like to quiet down Mm -hmm. or if there was danger and we would have the quiet crowd quiet down they gave the danger signal showing that like somebody had passed out and people opened up. And I remember Mason was like, open up in a crowd, opened up and we rushed in and got the girl, got her out, got her some water, got her under some shade. So it's like, those are the safety precautions you need in place when you have a large amount of people that you're responsible for. And I knew that as a 24, 25 year old, right? Like just running up. That was the first major protest I've ever had. Like I, you know, I'd have 50 people show up, but thousands bro, like, but that that's what great power comes great responsibility. And I think that that's why Travis Scott is, he is liable and live nation is liable.
1: Right. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, Cause it's like, if you, if you can know that with, without having that experience of like holding those concerts and those festivals and like, how the hell, and it it goes back to what Mm -hmm. you were saying before. It was just like the qualifications, the, 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 qualifications of the people you have running a, an event damn near can show you um how you think about your audience um right and so i think that with, with that being said um you know we can learn a lot from everything that's been going on with World. and i think that unfortunately you know you can't bring those people back but what you can do is uh, learn from these other concerts and honestly t I, i'm thinking about what it looks like um to To have these festivals be s- sort of set up more stadium style because um, where where you actually have chairs and it's not just people standing standing in, in a particular area because I mean. This, this is going to go down in history as something that's super, super horrible. Yeah. And it might change the way that um, these types of events are thrown, uh, thrown from now on. But in the meantime, I think there are very simple things and, and very, very simple but effective models like the ones uh, you use at the protests, the ones uh, that were used at the day in Vegas that people can really, really learn from. And mm-hmm. so that's our hope. Ash, uh, Travis is paying for the funerals of of the deceased, which as he should. Um, and hopefully, he takes a lot more pride in those safety measures moving forward, because clearly the people around him did, and people around him and Live Nation uh, did not do that. Mm-hmm. And and I and I hope that they sort of take those lessons
0: moving forward. Big facts
1: yeah man yeah so um you know these like i like we've said it's been a crazy week for artists uh, it's been a crazy week for us all but staying in the artist realm there is some some light it's it's light and darkness in a sense mm-hmm. um <laughs> uh summer walker man summer walker um she had one of the best um R and B debut al- albums like ever. Mm-hmm. Um I know her, her her joint actually debuted number one on the charts. Um still over it. Shout out to Still Over mm-hmm. It. Me and T have listened to uh the album um and you know it is great. Um but you know now we gotta get into some uh fairly crazy stuff because um you know she was talking about basically this idea of London on the track, right? And when she was talking about London on the track, uh, she basically, this is, my, this is my favorite song on the album thus far. It's called Fourth Baby Mama, okay? <laughs> now, here at Broom Black, we don't even like to use the word baby mama. Or, you know, but but this, that's the little name of the song. And she started off the song by saying, your mama should have whooped your ass. <laughs> and first of all, don't ever tell me, and don't ever start anything with me by saying my mama should whoop my ass. Mm-hmm. That's disrespectful. Oh, but absolutely. it was... But in the song, she talks about how his mom was not there for him and how now because he's lit, he has money, he's paying up for a lot of stuff for his mom. His mom condones certain behavior in in terms of the way in which he treats women. And it it started to make me think about, like, you know, as as two brothers who have great moms. Right. Um, You know, we. We we think about this this idea of raising a black man in America, and having to instill so much confidence in him and so much love in him because the world naturally wants wants to hate us and looks for ways to hate us. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, it does the same thing for for little black girls as well. But I but I speak about black men because sometimes and. All all that love that we are given by like our our moms and things of that nature sometimes we can be de- defended and coddled in a way that doesn't make us um, the best mates for future people because yeah, yeah, yeah. some of our behavior uh, is ju- uh, justified and we make some excuses mm. for that behavior um, it's right been accepted and so, for so I, long. I just. W- y- Right, right. And and I think the mothers try to love us so much. And I think that sometimes um, people will also say things like, who raised you? Sort of Mm -hmm. making a claim that our guardians didn't raise us in the correct manner. But T, what do you think about how the world sometimes loves us so much that, you know, there's not a sense of accountability for like our future relationships speak on that a little bit for me
0: yeah bro and that's such a good question because i mean especially couched in this episode right where we understand as black men there's a lot of harm that can come to our bodies and our physical just for being who we are like not even uh, as an individual literally just our identity as a person that is being born can bring violence right and that's how what i also quick tidbit that's why I want people to understand about like the trans identity and when we're talking about women right like literally who you are can cause violence nothing you've said nothing you've done just literally you existing in this world and walking down the street can lead to that right so I, I think with that then you you're like okay well we need to to meet these people with care um but in a lot of different ways especially because uh, the the issues that affect the black community, black men, like our our issues are and our are the injustices that happen to us are centered, right? So we have a privilege in a way to hold these conversations, and in a lot of ways, like we get put on pedestals. Um, I know a lot of uh, black men that really are just. Uh, they they meet the bar because the bar sometimes is in hell and they get put on a pedestal just for like doing things that like women do all the time. Right. So I, I think that that is one thing that maybe we can start to think about how to hold people accountable. It's like you sometimes I think as men, especially black men, we uh like, what's the saying? Like you applaud a fish for swimming. Like I feel like sometimes that happens right. to us. Like just because we're a decent ally people are like oh my god it's like you know that white boy that's a kappa i forgot his name but he, he was shimmying everybody. I was like oh my god and then like anytime he said anything about racial injustice people are like oh my like he's the white martin luther king <laughs> i All think right. it's that same thing is like we can't continue to put each other and allow people to put us on pedestals for doing things that we know we should do And I think that that's one thing, because I think that we start to think that we're much more special than we really are. And that's not Mm. saying that we aren't special, because we all are. But like again, we all are special, right? We're no more special than anyone else. So the things that we do shouldn't be held to a higher standard as if a black woman had done it, or um, if somebody else had done it, right? Like I think that that is one thing that I think that we maybe have to get out of. Um, But I mean... I I think my mother like I I would have to ask my sister but I don't think she raised us any different right and I think that that's another thing I think that sometimes we are raised a little different and we have different rules and there are double standards to things um me and my sister had the same curfew um so I know some people like oh the son can stay out a little longer but the the girl got to come in earlier as a protection for her and that's understandable but it, it does impose a double standard so I think that I think things like that, because um, I, I, even even in my family, there are some Debbie dads, right, that people, they, they give them the benefit of the doubt, like, oh, he was going through some things or he wasn't ready at the time. But it's like, sir, your child's still living and breathing and growing older and you haven't done anything. So that's not really an excuse. So I think that uh, oftentimes we, people find excuses for us and our actions. And I think that that's, the, the start of the problem that being on the pedestal and always being able to excuse things that lead you to being a bad person, not saying that one action makes you a bad person, but when you continue to excuse actions, those things, uh, you know, the parts, parts become a whole, right? Like, and I, th- I think it starts to make up some people's identity and they think they can get away with things. They definitely shouldn't. Yeah. Yeah,
1: and and you know, it's interesting because you know in, in that I also want to bring up something that's been really big this week, um, heavy, heavy week, man, mm-hmm. uh, that uh, which is the baby and Danny Lee. Because as you talk about this idea of accepted behavior and like that becoming a trend and a pattern that folks accept, I think about Danny Lee um, and the baby. And so for for those of you who don't know, um, Danny Lee b- basically or Danny Lee was basically in her in the uh, baby's townhouse house in charlotte north carolina she is you know nursing her not nursing her baby but taking care of her baby um and her and her and the baby have an argument the baby says hey look you know you can't stay here you got to go now maybe you can go to a five-star hotel whatever uh Danny Lay is not from North Carolina. I believe she's from LA. She didn't have anywhere to really go, no resources um, in, in terms of having people um, that she's connected to in North Carolina or in Charlotte at least. And so she's like, no, no, that's not happening. And so the baby puts her on Instagram uh, live and, and see you and I were talking about how like maybe, uh, you know, it was, it was a, a farce at first, but I was going back and thinking, I was like, she didn't look like she was ready to be on camera. She looked, she didn't look done up. Uh, She looked and she's, and she was putting the pillow up, Mm -hmm. right? She was putting the pillow up and multiple times in the video. And then you see another IG live video of the cops actually being there because the baby actually calls the cops and the authorities and somehow presses charges against Danny Lay. Um, And it, and it was just a very humiliating moment for her. Um, Mm -hmm. And and I think that was the point how much she loves. You said what? I
0: think that was the point for him.
1: Right, right. And and then he uses it to promote his tour, mm-hmm. right? As he's talking about her, right? So like it's 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 one of those things where, you know, I look back at some other IG live videos of them and he he explicitly calls her his side piece, you know, his like his his side his side witch mm-hmm. witch, you know what I'm saying? And It was just a very, very unfortunate thing because I think that she she actually has some posts about like being his yellow bone and like all he wants is a yellow bone.
0: I remember that. um, That's when we had that conversation about colorism. Yeah.
1: And and, and she got crucified for him. Right. And it's like this man has had trends and patterns Mm -hmm, of mm -hmm. just having multiple mothers of multiple children. And for some reason, people get caught up in this trap of, oh, I'm going to be the one that changes Changes this person, mm-hmm. um, and mind you, she was also going back and forth with uh, another mother of his child, uh, Mimi, mm-hmm. back and forth, right? And so I, I think it's I think it's interesting because the the real conversation here, T, was um, main chick versus side chick, mm-hmm. and I think that from a personal standpoint, I I I've had people in my life that I looked at and said, you know, hey, look, you are special to me. Like I would get rid of all these other women before I got rid of you. But um, I think sometimes where men mess up is that um, and and women in terms of how they look at it is that just because you're so you're you're not necessarily just because you're more important than a side piece. If you're not the only piece, in, in a lot of case scenarios, it's still it's still not valuable, mm-hmm. right? Because this because I think what what Danny Lay was was thinking was, oh, he's spending time with me. We've been in this house for three months, and this, that, and the third. But if the man thinks about you doesn't doesn't consider you his most important the most important person in his life, and in monogamous relationships, the only person in his life, you're wasting your time mm-hmm. because you can be more important than all the casual people. But just because you're a level above casual doesn't mean that that's something that you should hold on to. Mm -hmm. That's a very low bar for people who want a monogamous relationship. If I'm not your only piece and you're looking for a monogamous relationship, why would you entertain someone who's making you just slightly above their side pieces? And So that's and that's sort of what I've been thinking about but I want I want you to think I want you to tell me your thoughts on The Baby and Danny Lay and like this idea of a side piece versus uh, a main piece and what that really means.
0: Okay, yeah. Um I like we said I I originally thought this was a hoax, not a hoax, uh, a publicity stunt more than anything. Right, right. Because it just was everywhere, and it didn't seem that big of a deal. But like the shade room had six posts about it. Uh, it was yeah. trending on Twitter. The uh, baby's other baby mama jumped in, was saying stuff, and I was like, "Why? I just didn't get it. Like I like it. It felt manufactured as a news topic. And it's like anytime something's a news topic, people eat it up, and they're gonna talk about it. So. I wanted to know why it was really a thing, but I I think there's enough that I've seen that could show that it was a real life thing, especially because there is like charges and things like that. Um, But I think this week tells me that, I mean this week, every week, I think that there has to be more respect for the mother of your children. I think that it was wild. Even if we're talking about side piece versus main piece, like it's wild to be nutting in somebody that's your side piece. I think that's wild. To have a child with somebody you consider your side piece, that's wild, right? Like that... When we talk about like when people talk about like oh the LGBT is going to bring down the black community and it's the destruction uh, black feminist and black LGBT people are the the destroying the black family like no nutting inside pieces is destroying the black family having oh, multiple children in yo, yo, different yo, run, that places. Back, no, run that back run that back say that again nutting that again. inside women or even nutting in anybody you don't see building a relationship or building a real foundation with is actually destroying the black family. We are the one that procreate. <laughs> Women are the one that house and birth the children. Yes. But we are the ones that are we we have literally a half in procreating a child. Y'all like so we need to take responsibility. So that's another thing that we have to be held accountable with and for. So it's like it 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 boggles my mind that like we can't see past some of these things, and yes, that's really what is destroying the black community. I'm sorry, PSA. I, anybody that needs to hear that, I need y'all to hear that today. Um, but yeah, like I, I it just the. The lack of respect, the utter lack of respect, and it's like y'all can be beefing, but to know that y'all were that good just 30 seconds ago and like you walked in and you switched up, I I think that that's concerning. And I think that that can be concerning to anybody. But to to treat someone like that that you have a child with is wild. And I think that, that the the true victim here is the child. And this is and we can take this away from a celebrity thing because this happens in every single everyday life with a lot of people. Right. There are people that people have kids with they they end up hating. And it's like you got to learn how to co-parent at some point, because. I promise you, the child is going to feel that tension the most, and I I think that especially at the age, they don't know how to handle that. So I, I, I think that like. That's the conversation I would rather have because, like, the the main versus side, like, honestly, like, you shouldn't have, nobody should be a main if you have a side, you know, like, because that's, That's it. it. unless it, like, if you into polygamy, boom, do it, polyamory, boom, but that should be a discussed thing. If you are into open relationships, boom, but don't be exclusive and then have somebody on the side that's not exclusive. And I I think that people are too selfish. Like I think that if you want to explore having multiple partners, talk to your partner about that and talk be be open and transparent. Be a man about that, or be a woman about however you want to move. But other than that, I'm cool. Yeah, no, no, I I feel you. And I and I and
1: I bring that up because the main I I think that a lot of times um, when we think about the I think people are selfish, like you say, right? Like we want to have that person in our lives that we don't want to let go of, Mm -hmm. but like we still, but we don't, we don't care about them enough to like make everybody else disappear. Mm -hmm. Right. And then a lot of times I think that we folks sell each, sell people these false promises of, Oh, I'm going to treat you like a man. Mm -hmm. I'm going to do more for you than I'm doing for other people, but I'm still not going to, but that, but it still doesn't mean I'm going to settle down or whatever. And, and we're, and like I said, we're only talking about people who want monogamous relationships. And it's like, you sell that person, a person a dream. I've sold people dreams. I give people boyfriend <laughs> benefits without, without necessarily uh, having a boyfriend mentality. Like mm-hmm. some of this stuff is just fun for me. So, uh, but, but even me, I've had to take, take steps back. And so I think that, um, you know, and I and I love that point that you made about, you know, what really destroys the black family um, outside of white white supremacy. We, sometimes we, we have to look at Papa was a roll of stone.
0: That, that's- right, right.
1: Right. And I think sometimes we have to look at what's happening with us in, internally, because to your point, one of the reasons that Danny Light thinks that the baby got mad at her is because she had a, a plan B sent to his condo, mm-hmm. meaning. That that doesn't even mean that she doesn't she she was still okay with raw raw sex, but she wasn't okay with getting pregnant again, or at least at this time. And for the baby to, if he let's say he had that reaction because of that, if that was the case, that looks crazy. And furthermore, you're willing to put your daughter out on the street Mm -hmm. because let's let's say. Danny Lay was uh, was attacking the baby or something like that. If she's getting if she's getting charged with those types of things, I'd be damned if a, if if the mother of my children would have ever attack me and think she's going anywhere with my child. Big fat, you know what I mean? Big fat. Especially when I'm in my I'm in my city where I have the resources and all the connections and stuff like that. If you really feel fear for your life or you really were that scared of Danny Lay, your daughter wouldn't be going with with Danny Lay. You mm-hmm. use the cops as a tactic to help kick her. Out, right, mm-hmm. because if she was attacking you, there's no way in the world that a responsible father would let his his three month old T mm-hmm. go with go with that mother. So I, I I think that you know it's it's embarrassing. She said that she wants to she's going to live, learn from it, and grow. But I think you know as as the baby looks at this situation, I hope that he really takes the time to actually really like and enjoy the person that he wants to spend um to, the the next person he wants to get pregnant because. This is not how we should be running y'all like, like y'all, y'all are destroying lives. You know, you have no intention of being with this person or loving this person. And I think that Denny Lay was sold something else. Absolutely. And if, if, if he did, and even if he told her, Hey, you're a side piece because he did that on Instagram live, you cannot then treat her like she's your main and give her the benefits of a main that that's a, that's manipulative. I can say that cause I've, I've done it even if it's been unintentional we all have to look ourselves in the mirror. So
0: mm-hmm.
1: that's, yeah, it's, it's, it's a crazy world, bro. It's a crazy world.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, man.
1: Yeah. But <sighs> look, y'all, I, I know I keep saying it. It's, it's heavy. This is a two-tonner. Mm-hmm. This is a two-ton episode now. Um, uh, but what we're about to jump into is something called our spotlight. Um, because you know, people, people have been winning and we, and we got to make sure that we, we illuminate the people who have been winning, especially the black women who have been winning. And um, so, we want to give a special shout out to Don uh, Staley. Uh, she just recently signed a twenty-two point four million dollar contract, mm-hmm. um, and she is one of the highest. She is the highest paid coach in her sport and in the South so, Southeastern Conference. So, we want to say congratulations uh, we love it when black people get their coin uh, we deserve uh, their coin. Uh, the coin one day see that one day that's going to be us man one day we're going to be we're going to give the spotlight to ourselves one day,
0: hey, one, day
1: one day one <laughs> we, day we we love those types of contract numbers but um, in all seriousness um, you know it's i think that there's so many there are oftentimes uh, so many situations where black women either underestimate themselves in the job market or they're underestimated by their prospective employer and they don't get that coin compared to black men compared to white women compared to white men and so to see this coach be able to be the highest paid anything in her sport and in her conference it's just a beautiful thing
0: big facts yeah you said it best bro I, I just I love that people finally get to get compensated for their value I think that it's important. South Carolina women have been dominating. Uh, they've gone to the Final Four a number of times. I'm not exactly sure if they've won, um, but she runs a, a fantastic program, and I think that black women um, coaches, uh, like, they're on the up and up, and I think that people are finally respecting them. I think it was two black women in the final – three black women in the Final Four, two in the the championship last uh, – last year or or won in the championship but i i think it's just is i feel like they're finally getting noticed and i think that's important
1: absolutely absolutely well look man that's about it man This this episode was woo, it was great but y'all look for any of our listeners man um hopefully by the time this gets out It'll it'll be a, a, a less stressful time in the world. Um, I think I think one of the words that I can say to like describe this week just exhausting. Very very, uh, I feel very depleted, and I'm ready to go and have a good time, relax, celebrate something. because um, it's been a lot of a lot of highs and a lot of lows this particular week, and so we know that if we're feeling it, y'all are feeling it too. But we want y'all to know that we're we're right in the trenches with you in some way shape form and capacity so we so we want to say thank you for continuing to listen with us thank you for the people who um were contributing today to the conversation um and yeah man yeah
0: absolutely yeah. Uh, yeah i mean you said it best bro like i we just appreciate y'all thank y'all for rocking with us we know it was heavy we know this episode was a little longer but you know i mean that's how it be life heavy life go a little long yeah. sometimes uh, you know, cherish the seconds that you listening to this and you not in prison, that you alive, that you breathing. <laughs> you feel me? Rock yes. with us, and we appreciate y'all. Um, Scottie P, you got anything else? Nah, man, take us out. All right, like we like to say, keep the coffee black, black. and we like our podcast, like we like our women black. black. All right, y'all. Thank y'all for rocking with us, and we will see you soon. Peace. Peace.